Wow, quiet morning. Somebody broke the silence before I did. So. Glad y'all are here this morning. Hey, um, if you didn't get to be a part or see the parade Thursday, uh, I just want you to know that um, our church worked really hard, especially Corey Lane and, and several others. Uh, they have, a, they have a, a gift of thinking in an artistic way that is the furthest thing from me that I could ever do. And uh, it just thrills my soul to get to see our parade come to, come to life. And as we as it was going down the road the other day, kids clapping and everything, and I'm thinking, you know, that is what uh, that's what this is about. That's why we do this. And and so as you when y'all leave today or as you drive by through the week, take a take an opportunity to go look at our parade float. It was it's absolutely beautiful. It was the best in show. Can't really expect anything different than that. And then we had other people, y'all. Okay. We, we had other people that stopped us during the parade. Honest to gosh truth. I had a guy, he stopped several other people, and then he stopped me. He said, are you the pastor at First Baptist? And I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, you've got to find a way to get this parade float to the parade in Decatur. Y'all will kill it there. And I'm like, okay, now, that's a bad indication. Y'all clapped when I said we're going to beat Decatur in something. <laughs> Sometimes I think we're a little bit messed up. No. I love Christmas. I really do. I, I love Thanksgiving. I, I love this time of the year. Uh, my wife and I love to go shopping and, and, and that kind of stuff. One of the things that, that I see that is really concerning to me, and, and I believe it, it, it's, it's really playing out in real time in our life and in our, our world today, and that is that, that somehow money and things can fix emptiness. And, and I'm going to be forthright right now. It, it doesn't. Money and things will never fix emptiness. In fact, money and things oftentimes create more emptiness. If you're here today or if you're watching on TV or if you're watching on the Internet and, and your faith and your hope is in, in money and things, I am sorry to tell you today you're going to come up empty. I have, I've watched this in, in, uh, in commercials and everything like that. You know, the, the commercials, this time of the year, they show all the, the cool cars. And, and, and so many times the, the, the tagline is something to this effect, you deserve it. Can, can, I, can I tell you something that they're really saying? They're saying, listen, this will fix you. This is what you need. But friends, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a new car is not going to fix you. A new dress is not going to fix you. Some of you will remember back to the 70s and 80s when the cigarette commercials uh, advertised, they were allowed to advertise in TV and stuff. And there was one particular commercial that was always, it was humorous to me because it was a Virginia Slims commercial and it had this beautiful model on it and she's wearing a full-length evening gown and she's on the beach by herself. And I've always wondered, one, why was she there by herself? And, and, and why on earth are you on a beach in an in a evening gown and all that? But here's what they were saying. What they were saying is that if you take this product, you can look like this person. The advertising hasn't changed. The advertising today is, look, if you'll buy this car, if you'll buy these things, you're going to be happy. You're going to be fulfilled. Without Jesus, you won't. A study of, 
of lottery winners really drove this home. As I, as I was doing some research, uh, I want to I just share some of these statistics with you because they kind of blew me away. They, they, did, they did a study of 3,000 lottery winners, okay? And over the span of the time that they did the study, the 3,000 lottery winners bought 8,000, what do you think I'm going to say? Cars? <laughs> 8,000 more tickets? They bought 8,000 homes. 3,000 lottery winners bought 8,000 homes. You buy one, that one doesn't do it, so you got to buy the next bigger one. That one doesn't do it, so you got to buy the next bigger one. During that same time, those same 3,000 lottery winners bought 17,000 new cars. The average price of the new car that they bought was $73,000. Interestingly enough, they bought Audis and Land Rovers. Just throw that out there. So the, the new house didn't, buy, didn't fix it, so they had to buy more. And, and so they kept getting bigger and bigger. The house didn't do it, so they got to buy new cars. And so, so 3,000 people bought 17,000 cars. And it didn't do it. Their vacations. Now, Roberta and I, we save up and we go on vacation a couple of years, a, a couple of times a year. Uh, we can't hang with this. The average cost of their vacation was $11,000 each time they got on the airplane. Of those that they, as they did the research, they found out that 75% of them said that the money made them happy. Well, that goes right in the face with what I'm saying today. 75% of them said that money made them happy, that they had security and all that kind of stuff. But then the research goes on to show, because they got to keep buying bigger houses, newer cars, and all this, that 78% of them, that's not right, 72% of them are broke within five years. That's research. So the house didn't do it, the new car didn't do it, the new vacation didn't do it, but somehow we're happy with our money, so we're going to buy a bigger house, we're going to buy a bigger car, we're going to go on a bigger vacation, that didn't do it, so let's go bigger, bigger, bigger. And then what happens when you get the collection notice and you realize that your $5 million is gone? NFL football players, they're kind of an interesting group of people. NFL football players make millions of dollars, or, or at least we're told they make millions of dollars, and yet 78% of them are broke two years after their last game. They have all the houses. They have everything that you and I, or typically you and I, we look at and say, man, that'd be so cool. I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool. Like Shaquille O'Neal, his house has a bowling alley in it. Now, that would be pretty darn cool. You know, get up, what are you going to do today? I'm going to go bowling. Okay, you can't do it anywhere else in Bridgeport, so that would be cool, right? But when I don't have money to pay for it, it becomes a burden. Do you know that 3% of the people that they interviewed winning lotteries, they were honest, and 3% of them said that it created more headaches and they were not any more happy. In fact, they were more empty the day after they won the lottery than they were before. America is buying into this, you guys, and the world is. But let me tell you the truth, and it's not politically correct, I'm sorry. 
But the truth is, is that without Jesus, we are going to be empty. And there's one way to Jesus, I mean, there's one way to God, and that's through Jesus. That's what we celebrate here today. That as we look around in the auditorium, so pretty and all that kind of stuff, we, we, we're celebrating the fact that a God loved you and I so much that he said, I'm going to give you a way that you don't have to be empty because a new house is not going to make you happy. A new car and another 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 new car forever is not going to make you happy. It's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to give you meaning. A relationship with God is all that will. And God said that, look, I'm going to send my son so that they can have a relationship with me. I was listening to a speaker this week, and, and she said this, and, and I'm going to tell you what she said, and then I added a little bit to it. Uh, her name is Jill, and I'm sorry I don't know her last name. She said this. She said, we spend money we don't have. By the way, I can relate to this. I bet you many of you will be able to relate to this. We spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Am I the only one that can relate? Don't raise your hand. Am I the only one that can relate to that? I have things in my closet of Craig's mistakes that I bought because I needed to impress somebody who I really didn't even like. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to add two things to it. Let me start over. We, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like that leads to debt we don't want, which leads to an end that is empty. And that's the, the rat race that so many people are in. We're trying so hard to replace what God, the, the void that God created in us that can only be filled by his son. We want to put new cars there, new houses, new girlfriends, new guy friends new careers. We want all that stuff. And God is saying, no, the only thing that will satisfy that is a relationship with me. We're going we're gonna to see this played out. If you have your, your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. A few years ago, we went, we went kind of from beginning to end through Luke, but I skipped over this passage and today, you're going to see just how, how this relates. As you're turning there, I want, to, I want to share with you John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. The thief wants to, and by the way, in that passage, the thief is the devil. The thief is the enemy. The thief wants you to take all these things that, 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 that this void that God has created you with, he wants you to take all these different things and plug them into that void and, and somehow think that you're going to satisfy it. That's what the thief wants. But it leads to emptiness. Absolute emptiness. That's why we see that the, the depression and, and, and anxiety and, and, and those, those ills that, that just grate on you. They're so great in people who have won the lottery. They're so great in people who have had these, these high-profile careers where they, they've made millions and millions of dollars. They get to a point where they're empty. Go to places in, where you know that there's a lot of financial success. And look at the number of counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists that are in those areas. Y'all, nothing can satisfy 
the need that you and I have for God and for Jesus. Nothing can satisfy it but Jesus. And John 10, 10 says, he says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I bought a new truck last December. I'm not, I, I'm not being hypocritical here. I bought a new truck last December. And, and, and you know, that, that, cool, that truck is really, really cool. And I like it. And, and, and for the first couple of weeks, it was really great. Now it's dirty. Okay, if we're to go out to lunch tonight, this afternoon, we're going to ride in your car because my truck's nasty. And one day I'll buy another one and I'll be all excited about it. I'm going to take care of this one. Same thing's going to happen. Nothing can satisfy your need for Christ but Christ and Christ alone. A young man named Zacchaeus knew this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to, to, to turn there to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 10. And I, I want to give you a little bit of background. This is, this is Jesus' final approach to the cross. Prior to this passage here in chapter 8 and previous, he, 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 I mean chapter 18, he, he's done some miracles and, and he's showing people that he has power and that he really is the son of God. And then we come to this passage and we're going to read it in just a second, but right after this passage, then he, he does some other things. He, he predicts his death for the third time. And then chapter 19 ends with the triumphal entry. And, and, and that is the point in time where, where Jesus turns and he walks into the city. And y'all know the story and we'll talk about the story again at Easter. But the whole the whole public the whole tide of public opinion is cheering here comes jesus blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and then just a couple of days later after that those same people are saying crucify him those are the bookends to this very powerful passage and, and this passage most of us or many of us learned this when we were a kid we learned the song we learned the story by the song zacchaeus was a wee little man a wee little man was he he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I don't remember the rest of the song, but I know the story. Okay, y'all know this, so let's look at it. Let's start with verses 1 through 4. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, I, shared, I was talking about this passage with someone this week, and, and they, they, they looked at me and said, he was rich? We read over this story, y'all, and, and we, we sang it. Listen, he was rich. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Now there's a wealth of information that you need to understand in this passage to understand how it really hits us. Three things are printed there very clearly in that passage. The first thing is this. He was a tax collector. Okay. The second thing is he was rich. And the third thing is he was short. That's just scripture. Okay. Those are the things. But you need to read. There's some other stuff that you need to understand the value of. There's, there's a couple other things I want to point out. Notice 
that he was a chief tax collector. This is significant for what he actually does. It, it would, it would, have been, if, it would be, be the same thing if we were standing out here at the Christmas parade and, and President Trump was here and he ran somewhere down the road to climb up a tree. We would look at that and say, that is very unbecoming of a president. Okay? He was a chief tax collector. Now, I want you to know how he got this job. In this day, Herod, they, 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 would, they would actually bid this job out. Uh, just like if we were to do a project here, we would get bids. And maybe somebody come and say, uh, you know, my bid's $10,000, the next one $20,000, $30,000, whatever. We would give it to the cheapest bidder. That's how we do it. Here, it's the exact opposite. These tax collectors, they would give their bid and they say, okay, uh, Herod, we're going to raise a million dollars for this area. And maybe the next guy comes and says, I, I can beat that. I can raise $1.2 million. And then Herod would award that to the highest bidder. There was nothing illegal about tax collecting. In fact, Jesus even said that we're to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But the way they did it and the crookedness is where the problem came in. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And so that means that he actually had people working under him. So maybe his bid, now we don't know, okay, we don't, this is not in the scripture what his bid was, but let's just say his bid was $1.5 million. So he gets the bid, and, and Herod says, okay, I'm giving you the bid, and so here's the, here's the rules. You give me the $1.5 million, and that's great. Anything else you get, that's yours. And so they would come up with new ways of taxing, and then they would hire strong people, you know, kind of like bouncers at, 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 a, at a club or something. They would hire them to collect, collect the taxes. So they were hated by the people because if, if he was going to make a living, he had to raise above what he had bid. And none of them were going to satisfy with just surviving. They were all going to be rich. So here's what we know about Zacchaeus that you need to pay attention to. He was rich. He had power. He had power backed by the government. You were not allowed to do anything to these tax collectors, and if they came your way, you had to pay them. So he had power, and he was rich. The next thing that we see about him is that he was determined. He was not going to let Jesus pass him by. And because of that, here's the, this is why we're using this passage. He knew there was something more in his life. He was not allowed, by the way, tax collectors were banned from, from the synagogue, so they weren't allowed to go have fellowship or anything like that. They're just on their own. They're enjoying their power and their wealth. They had no intimate relationship with the Lord, and they had no inter intimate relationship with other people that were Christians. But he was determined. He wasn't going to let the fact that the crowd was huge, and he wasn't going to let the fact that he was vertically challenged get in the way of him seeing Jesus because he knew there was something more. He knew that, that money, I guess back in that day, new money and new chariots and that kind of stuff wasn't going to fix it. He knew there was more. And now look at, look at Jesus, what Jesus' response. You, that first, those first few verses you could title the sinner. Now we're going to look at the Savior. When Jesus came to the place... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. 
I love this passage because as you read it, let me read it one more time. So he quickly, I'm, I'm verse, uh, verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today I must stay at your home. There's a determination. It's like Jesus, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing, which he did. It's like he went straight on a straight path, went right to the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down because today I'm going to your house. The words that he uses is what's called an imperative. It, it was really a command. It was not Jesus saying, hey, Zacchaeus, you know, if it's cool, if you want to come, you know, if you want to spend a little bit of time together, then come on down. No, it was an imperative. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down. And then immediately Zacchaeus came down because, see, he, he got what he wanted. He was fixing to have time with Jesus. It's a beautiful picture, y'all. And then, just like what happens in churches all across this world today, as Jesus began to fellowship and, and, and have time with this guy, all the good old church members, the, my goodness, he is fellowshipping with sinners. Jesus didn't let that bother him, y'all. This man knew he was empty, and he knew he needed a Savior. And Jesus went right to him and said, you come down. I can just hear him saying it, Zacchaeus, Come down right now because I'm about to change your life. I'm about to give you meaning. Zacchaeus knew what he was looking for. I'm about to give you meaning because all the power that you have, all the money that you have is coming up empty. Let me give you meaning. And then look, what, look how it finishes. In this last part, you could title the salvation. So he quickly came down. I, I know I just read this. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain He's gone to lodge it with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come, come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, Zacchaeus came out of the tree and said, listen, God, we, we, don't, we don't, obviously don't have the whole conversation there. But Jesus drew this man to himself. And that day he gave his life to Christ. And Zacchaeus' response was to pick up on what he said. He says, I'll give half of what I have. In other words, all these things that over these years I thought would make me happy, all these things that over the years that I went to Herod and bid so that I could have more money to keep them going, all these things... I'll give half of it to the poor. And anyone who I've cheated, I'll pay them back four times as much. Because in the grand scheme of things, all those things have left me empty. But you, Jesus, satisfies. And that's true for every single person here today. Jesus is the only thing, the only person that will satisfy. Not a new car, not a new house. Only Jesus. I love what he said. There, the last verse, very powerful. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is the son of Abraham. Listen, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Let me get to the, 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 a couple of facts that you need to, to know before we get to the main point. The first fact is this. We are all on a journey headed to one of two destinations, 
eternal life with God or eternal life separated from God. We're all on a journey, and we're going to end up of one or two places. And, and y'all, I don't mean to be facetious. I don't mean to be disrespectful. We don't all get a trophy here. We're going to one or two places. Every last person, every person who's ever walked the face of this earth, we're going to one or two places. We're going to spend eternity with God in a real place called heaven, or we're going to spend eternity away from God in a real place called hell. My brothers and I, on the very rare occasion that we get to play golf together, it's, it's quite funny because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bad golfer, and, and I'm the best of my family. Not really. I have a brother that can hit a ball nine miles. It just may land in a different county. I have a brother that can throw the ball, and I'm not making any of this up. I have a brother that can throw the ball further than he can hit it, and if he would just leave his golf clubs at home, he'd be so much better. And then I have a brother that's a lefty that just messes everything up to begin with, and he's not even fun to play with. So while we're out there playing, we're just all over the place, and we all want to get to the green. We all want to get the ball in the hole. And so I'm down here by the water, because that's every ball that I've ever hit lands near the water. I'm coming up by the water. My, my oldest brother is still in the women's tee box trying to get his ball to go a little bit further. Canning is over in you know, Decatur trying to get it back. And then there's my left-handed brother who, who, who's just weird, okay? Here's the thing. We all want to get there to that green. We, we want to get there, and we're going to come from all different walks of life. One of my brothers works for the FAA. One of my brothers works, uh, manages a lumber company. One of my brothers manages a chain of stores, and, and then I'm a pastor, and our, our life journeys have us coming all from different places, but we want to get to that one place. We all want to get to the green in golf. In real life, in brothers, we all want to get to heaven. And there's only one way we can do it. And that's through Jesus Christ. Every last person here today, watching on TV, watching on the internet, we're all on a journey. And our journey is going to end at one of two places. Eternity with God in a real place called heaven. Or eternity away from God in a real place called hell. Guys, that's really why we celebrate Christmas. I was listening to a pastor this morning and kind of listening to his Christmas message. And by the end of his message, I was so confused. I, I, I didn't know whether, whether to scratch my watch or wind my head. I was just totally confused. And so I want to be really clear today. I want to tell you exactly what Christmas is about, okay? And I'm going to speed up a little bit. But here's what Christmas is about. Christmas is a loving God who saw sinful humans, you and me, and says, I love you so much, I'm sending my one and only son to come to this earth, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. And he's going to live 33 years. And then he's going to die on a cross so that each one of us can have a relationship with him. Christmas is all about God sending his son so that you and I can have meaning. Let me give you one more fact. I'm going to give you two more facts. Second fact is this. There is no generic or knockoff ways to spend eternal life with God. 
There's no generic or knockoff ways. There's one way. Scripture tells us that, that in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Visit with people in the hallways this morning and stuff. There's a bunch of people that are snotty. Okay, I, that, I don't mean that like rude. I mean, you know, you're dealing with sinuses and stuff like that, okay? I didn't meet anybody who was the bad kind of snotty today, okay? Talking sinuses. And you can go to Walmart, okay? And you can go to Walmart. And you, somebody will say, hey, Zyrtec will help you. And you can go to Walmart, and there's Zyrtec for $15 a bottle. And you have to make a decision because right next to Zyrtec, there's a brand called Great Value. Zyrtec's 15 Great Value is like $2.50. And you're sitting there, wonder what's the deal. Well, here's what happened. Zyrtec, after they made enough money or however it works, they decided that they would sell their recipe for Zyrtec or, or they would make it at a cheaper rate, however all this works. But the cheaper one is called generic. Okay? When it comes to salvation, when it comes to having a relationship with God, there is no generic Jesus. You can't do enough good works. You can't substitute anything for Jesus. There is one Jesus, and he is the Son of God. And if we want to have a relationship with God, if we want to spend eternity with him in a real place called heaven, then we're going to accept the real Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let me give you one more truth. Jesus is the peace that completes your life puzzle. 3,000 lottery people bought 8,000 homes. 3,000 lottery winners bought 17,000 new cars at 70,000 something each. And that didn't complete their life. Jesus is the only peace that will complete your life. A couple of years ago, I, I came across this great gift from my dad. My dad was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And, and, and there's a site that, that you can put in an address and get the Google map picture of it. And then you send the Google map picture of it to this company and they'll make a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle. So, so I, I, I called dad just like, hey, dad, you know, I'm, I'm kind of selling it pretty well. Dad, where is, what street is it that you grew up in Chattanooga? He's never told me that before, but I made it sound like he had. And he told me the house number and everything. And so I send it off and they send me this jigsaw puzzle of where my dad grew up. And it blew my dad away until he realized that they only sent 499 of the 500 pieces. Honest to gosh truth, my dad is still bitter that he only got 499. Why? Because he's there, he's sitting there like, Craig, I know what's right there, but it's missing. I know what needs to go there. I grew up. I know what house is here, what house is here. This is my house. I knew this. But that is missing. You realize that's how we go through life? Without Christ? We're trying to find what the missing piece is. And Jesus is the missing piece. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here in just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation. If you've never trusted Jesus, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to accept Him today. He is the only puzzle piece that will complete your puzzle. Fact four, and I'm not going to spend any time on this, just like Zacchaeus, 
Jesus Christ is pursuing you. And that leads us right to the main point. Today matters. So accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today matters. So accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm not going to do this today, but a lot of times at services like this, a, a pastor or an evangelist would ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes and, and ask you, you know, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to ask you to do that. I don't have to ask you to do that. Because right now you know if you have or you haven't. You know if you're trying to put something in that piece of the puzzle that only Jesus can fill. And if you've never trusted him, I challenge you today. In just a second, we're, our service is, is, is five minutes away from being over. Make these the most valuable five minutes of your entire life. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the band is going to come and they're going to sing. And I'm going to be standing right down here. Staff is going to be right over here. You come and just say, listen, I need to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Because nothing is going to complete your life puzzle except for Jesus. So have you trusted him? Or are you still playing games? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I know that in a room with this many people, God, that not everybody here has trusted you as Lord and Savior. And maybe, God, there, there are those who have played games. Maybe they've tried filling that emptiness with a new car or a new house, a new career, a new direction in life. Father God, I pray that in this moment you would help them to realize, Lord, that you are the only person. You are the only hope that can satisfy their heart's desire. You are the only peace that will complete their puzzle. And Father God, today, as, as we have this time of invitation, Lord, I pray, God, that, that, that someone or many someones would come down this aisle today and say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And Father God, I pray that each one of us would just would, would, would realize that, that that's what we have to do. And, and for those who are already Christians, I pray, God, that our prayer would be, Lord, help me to live in the salvation that you give me, to live in the victory that you give me. Father God, I pray that you move in our, our auditorium right now. In your holy name I pray, amen. Would you please stand? And I challenge you today, y'all, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then before we finish this first verse, come down and grab me by the hand or grab one of our staff members and let us pray with you.